death for 25 minutes. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, well, I mean, we please stop it's it. It's Damien Maffei's brother, and they're just like, hey. Um, I wasn't even talking about that him. one. I wasn't even talking about that one. I, I'm going to I forgot about that one. I'm talking about the first goddamn one, you oh, idiot. Oh, the giant tree. I was... You know what I mean. I was not at a good point in the night, and I uh, was not ready for that. That's true. It was a good prosthetic too. Oh my god, it was amazing. It, was it awesome. reminded. It gave me serious like, like the like we talked about not on the show, but like outside of the show, like the beginning of Midsummer, how it's just viscerally oh. upsetting. It gave me that. It gave me some Midsummer energy. It gave me Midsummer. Well, Midsummer only got me that, like, one, maybe a second time. This movie did it, like, four or five times. Because we just got out of seeing the uh, Wrong Turn of the Foundation. And we're definitely going to cover it this week. Because holy shit. <laughs> so I guess welcome back to Square Horror. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Resident <laughs> Evil. Yeah, I'm the master of Square movies. We're going to talk about, uh, we're we're talking about Resident Evil. Yeah. And, I, man, I feel like we should have maybe, maybe maybe held off on seeing this movie because this is the beginning of a, of a Resident Evil franchise. Yeah. It's like twice as, almost twice as long as the Alien franchise. So we're, we're going to be sitting in this bitch for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it should come on a more, you know, it should, there should be more fanfare. <laughs> Zombies. And... Not that's like they're, they're not they're, really. They're like back burner. Yeah. Like this movie, they this movie honestly is the most front burner zombies there are in this. Like by the end of the by the last movie, the zombies are just like also happening in the back. Like they're just like a means to like inconvenience people. <laughs> like truly, like we gotta get to the hive. Like oh yeah, there's like a seven million zombies in the way, but they're like ah oh, well we'll get over it. It's fine. We'll gun them down. Like it's not even a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but starting out that, uh, so we're covering the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, the first one came out in 2002. 2002 along with Scooby-Doo and Spider-Man. Hold on. Oh, man. I really hope my note's updated. There we go. Yeah. Do you see that difference? How, like, yeah. it was, like, a couple lines, and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. I had a fuck ton of information. <laughs> like, I had my entire layout, and I'm like, well, now that I'm fucked tonight. <laughs> I was like, because, to be, to be completely honest... I don't really remember this I was going to say, and I want to make sure we record this tonight. <laughs> okay, so if I'm sure if, I mean, even to the Square audience, you know, Resident Evil, you've probably heard of it before. Mm-hmm. It's a very famous uh, Capcom franchise, video, a video game, game franchise, franchise. Um, and it's essentially about uh, zombies. It's a zombie survival game, but it's made... Uh, very distinctly, like, we'll get into when we play the games, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know about the demos, but at least with four, yeah. the layouts tend to be, you know, you, you pick up things, you basically just you use whatever you can find to, you know, just not get killed by zombies, and, you know, it's more realistic in, like, that you're walking with considerable pace, the zombies are moving about as fast, there's not tens of thousands of them everywhere. I'm not gonna lie, every time I think of Resident Evil, it makes me want to replay a Dead Rising game. Yeah, yeah. Those games are so fun. Man, if you could move with the dexterity you have in Dead Rising, that there would be no Resident Evil. Yeah. I'm also thinking of, um, uh, what's it called? Dead Island. Dead Island. Where you just, it's just parkouring over everything. <laughs> okay, so, 
obviously with the success of the game, uh, I don't remember what you said when this one came out in regards to what games were this coming out. This was right after Resident Evil 3 came okay. out. And, right bef- and a couple years before 4. Okay, and I, remember, I know that the first two, at the very least, are the very big ones in the franchise. Two, I think, is the yeah, biggest like one. Like, one and franchise. two are extremely famous games, and then swinging back up to four after this movie came out, so... As the franchise kind of got, like, as the company reached its peak, it commissioned, you know, the movies. Like, you know, and and obviously now there's more Resident Evil stuff, but it's less, uh, it's not zombies anymore, really. It's other stuff. It's just various other survival horror stuff. So, 2002, uh, Resident Evil, and if you don't know anything about Resident Evil... I don't blame you, because you didn't really know anything what to expect from these movies. I didn't know at all about these movies. (laughs) So, I mean, it's... The first one, at the very least, keeps to the game. So I feel like if you are a fan of the games and you want to check any of these movies out, obviously I recommend, you know, the last one. It's awesome. But if you want a more or less... At least them touching on the game at all, Mm -hmm. watch this one. Yeah. This one's more game-oriented. So... The Nefarious Umbrella Corporation releases their deadly zombie virus inside their underground facility, and it's up to an elite strike force to contain the outbreak. So, this movie, and all of them, are helmed by this guy, Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's done all, he did all of these movies, and uh, pretty much anything that Mila Jovovich did after 2007. Yep. Uh, including mon- yeah, well, including Monster Hunter, like the most recent Monster Hunter she's right. in, he uh, wrote and directed that. Um, he's got some pretty interesting credits on there as well. He directed the first Alien vs. Predator. Like really? he did Alien vs. Predator. Huh. He also did the Mortal Kombat movie, the like original <laughs> Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie, <laughs> and Event Horizon, which is a is. it's it's like one regarded in the same breath with Alien as like. A like sci-fi like redefining sci-fi horror oh. is like that movie is a crazy crazy okay. like interesting story. Um, then he also did the remake of Death Race in two thousand eight. I think Jason Statham's in that, <laughs> and he also did that like dog shit Pompeii movie with Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. So yeah, I mean, so he's got an interesting. He's got a yeah, mixed bag. He kind of reminds me like the guys that did Trick or Treat, where like they make mediocre to like pretty good action movies and then this is yeah. like what they really like doing um so the big thing because this is a franchise and some of these characters tend to stick around or at least show back up i do want to get into cast more in this than in other movies just because there's six of them yeah. and they mostly have the same characters just popping in and out of shit um so obviously our main character alice who we're going to follow, whether you like it or not, the entire franchise, and learn everything there is to know about her, retcon some of that information, then relearn new information. Kind of like the ending of every goddamn Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Oh, God. Uh, So it's uh, supermodel, singer, and fashion designer Mila Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. Um, I hadn't seen anything that she'd ever been in before this. Not like a couple days ago. Yeah. But But before I saw Resident Evil. Um, she's one of the one of the main characters in the Fifth Element, which I've never seen, but I know is a very big popular movie. Yeah. Um, she's also in Zoolander, both the Zoolander movies, the Ben Stiller ones. What? Yeah. Well, she's a fashion model, so she shows up. As, you Shit. know, 
I love that that floored you that much. Well, I mean, now you might, because, I mean, you hadn't seen her a lot. I mean, I will always recognize her. I'm like, that's Alice from Resident Evil in, like, any movie that she's in. Um, She's also in that perfect getaway movie that I mentioned when we talked about... You talking about the perfect movies? Uh, well, yeah, but we mentioned on the show because the actress who's in it is also the woman from the Purge Anarchy who's getting a divorce. Right. <laughs> she's getting a divorce. Yeah. Uh, um, and like I said before, she's also in Monster Hunter. Uh, Mila Jovovich, that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also got um, this guy, Colin Salmon, who plays one, who's like the head of the Strike Force. Mm-hmm. I think he looks just like Tony Todd. He's like a discount Tony Todd looking guy. Yeah. And he, he's exact. like, I feel like they probably couldn't get Tony Todd and they had him in there. And he does a great job. So like, good for him. Uh, he's, um, I guess some of his credits, he was in the... Punisher Warzone movie. He was in the CW Arrow, and he is General Zod in that Krypton show that I think the CW also does. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know nothing. He's General I, Zod. I forgot about the Krypton show. Uh, you also have a gentleman by the name of Martin Cruess. He plays Ooh. Chad Kaplan, who, if you couldn't tell, is uh, kind of a dope. Yeah. <laughs> He's that guy that. Um, Fakes get and he doesn't fake it, but but then he's like I'm I, I'm dead, you know, like leave me be. And then he goes to shoot himself, and then shoots a zombie, and then goes oh a way out, and then just goes oh, that yeah. way, and then links up with him later when he shoots when he nails the Red Queen. Yeah, so he they, they just forgot about him anyway. So he's um he's the guy that I said was like a mix of Boreanaz and Stephen Amell. Yeah, like he's got like the Amell like you know front like you know brow, but like he looks like David Boreanaz. He Every does. other way. Uh, <laughs> what a guy. He's also in two more Resident Evil movies. Uh, and I don't, I truly can't remember him. So, But he's in them. Okay. Like, it's the same character. Uh, and then he's also, uh, it said he was, no, that's literally all I have, was that he was in the two more Resident Evil movies. <laughs> um, James Purefoy, who is Spence, the, like, bad guy who, like, releases the virus. Oh, at the beginning. yeah. I feel like I had definitely seen him before. Um... He's in the new Altered Carbon that Anthony Mackie's in, and he's in okay. the following, uh, and he's in A Knight's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> With the Heath Ledger? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like four years after that, so like he That's still was like kind of handsome. <laughs> and then you have Eric Mabius, who I really want to spotlight. He plays a guy named Matt, Mabius. who we see, like Morbius almost, yeah. yeah. He's a dude that we see at the end of the movie who's getting taken in to be the nemesis program. Yeah, so he's not so subtly dropped. Like, nemesis. nemesis! He's gonna be Nemesis. <laughs> uh, so he's got a very interesting set of um, skills. Oh, yeah? So, in addition, you tell, in addition to being Nemesis in Resident Evil Apocalypse, which we will cover next week, he's also in a movie called Cruel Intentions that stars Sarah Michelle Gellar, and it's about two, like, super rich, posh, like, psychopath siblings. And they want to, um, they decide what they're going to do is get the, like, virginal, like, perfect, like, daughter of, like, their headmaster, who's played by, um, girl from Wiggly Blonde. Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. She's, like, maybe 23. And they plan to, like, just ruin her life. I need to watch this movie. Yeah, it sounds horrifying. It sounds... It came out in, like, 2000, I think. <laughs> like, he's not, I like, the brother, but that. he's just in it. Um, he's also in, what's it called? Um, Ugly Betty, like, was a main character on that show. He's, like, kind of a generically handsome guy. Mm -hmm. So he's in, like, something called Signed, Sealed, Delivered, 
which is like a Hallmark franchise of like movies, I think. That so tracks. he's in that. Um, he's also in a couple of Hallmark Christmas movies called Welcome to Christmas, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Welcome to Christmas. Welcome to it's like a probably some dumb shit town name. I was like, like that is a that's a choice for a, t- a Christmas I, movie title. I'm gonna I would I want to put money on it now. I would pay you fifty cents if Tori Lynn, our friend, ah! does not know who this guy is. I, it's on air. I'm willing to take this. Okay, he's also more much more importantly. He's going to be, when we cover The Crow and a couple of its sequels, maybe in a bonus episode, he plays the Crow character in The Crow Salvation. I was wrong. It wasn't Wicked Game. It's not Wicked the one Prayer? With, yeah, it's not the one with, it's the not the one with David Bray. No. This one's the one, I believe, it has uh, Kirsten Dunst. No well, shit. Well, she, so there's one that Kirsten Dunst is in. Um, the one that Boreanaz is in. Also, mm-hmm. Edward Furlong is The Crow. Really? Yeah, Edward Forlong, who's the kid from Judgment Day, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we have a lot ahead of us with the crow. Uh, and then, of course, we have Michelle Rodriguez, who plays Rain, who's on the Strike Force. Everyone knows her as the kind of meanish character in Fast and the Furious. She's a meanish, militarized woman in Avatar. She's a mean ex-cop in Lost and... Generally plays the same character every single time, just a mean type of woman, because in real life she's had trouble with the law. Mm. So she kind of just plays the same character. Uh, I actually had a note later on, like, when she's like, I don't know, she gets she gets bit or something, she's like, don't need any help. I'm like, Michelle Rodriguez plays Michelle Rodriguez very, very well. <laughs> um, so, we'll get into the movie. At the top. Yeah. There's a little bit of like a... Uh, little blurb about the Umbrella Corporation, Mm -hmm. who are super evil. Uh, That opening narration, can you guess who narrated it? Oh, gosh. You know who this is very well. He's a big part of your childhood, apparently. It's Jason Isaacs. Oh, (laughs) Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. (laughs) Bob Saget. No, it's not Bob Saget. You said childhood. That was the first person that came to my head. You mentioned that Jason Isaacs was a big part of your childhood. He was in everything. He was in the Harry Potter movies. He was in the live-action Peter Pan movie. I've actually never seen that Peter Pan. I always would watch Hook. So, like, my Captain Hook, I believe it's Tim... No. Damn it. Give me a second. I'm no, it's um Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman is Captain Hook, I believe. Yeah, you're right. I'm like, oh my god, how did I forget that? <laughs> yeah, so Jason Isaac was the Captain Hook of my child. Yes, yeah. I so, okay. grew up on that live action movie. We have to, sh- I have to show you that movie sometime. Well, and you watched The Patriot growing up, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and he's in The Patriot. He's great in The Patriot. I mean, he just is a great British bad he's guy. He's a great villain. <laughs> he almost over the break. Um, my brother Zach had to do a. Uh, um, a it's a quote unquote history class, and it was um Cold War like movies, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so this could be one of two things. This could be like the Cold War as told through movies. So you cover movies like Red Dawn and Platoon, and be like, these are the kind of movies that were made about the Cold War, or movies that were released, or movies that were released Cold during the Cold War. So it was kind of both. Okay. So the way they did it was so the Cold War start brief aside to talk about the Cold War. <laughs> 
<laughs> the Cold War started in like the 50s mm-hmm. and like ended in the 90s, essentially. So like every decade was like a new week of class for them. And basically what we did is like they had like three or four movies per decade and we're like, watch these movies. And I was like, okay, so these are going to be all 50s movies? It's like, no, it's all movies that are set in the 50s in the Cold War. It's like, okay. um, my point is that Jason Isaacs is in Death of Stalin, which is one of those movies. Oh. He's just like, it's a bunch of British actors that are playing, uh, a bunch of British actors and Steve Buscemi, who are Steve playing Buscemi. like the Russian cabinet after Stalin dies, and it's just like, who's going to succeed him? Okay. And he's just like this general who like, they all are trying to like get on their side because he's got the control of the military. Mm-hmm. And he's got a Scottish accent in it. So I was like, so what I've been lied to all these years and thinking that this posh British bad guy is actually Scottish, which is absurd. That, that's, that would throw me for a loop. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's just the opening of the movie. <laughs> um, so, you know, Umbrella Corps, they're the, I mean, they're the top, like, pharmaceutical, healthcare, advanced technology company. They also create weapons, biological weapons, weird, you know, gene splicing so they're just generically very bad mm-hmm. and of course like i don't know it's just like LexCorp, where it's just vague and evil sounding that it yeah. just if someone says they work for the umbrella corporation they sound like they're a bad guy they sound a little shady shady if you will. because of an umbrella <laughs> capcom you deaf <laughs> bastards you did it again so, the Umbrella Corps' prized crown jewel of their, um, I mean, it will start off as, and you know it's bad, when it starts off as a advance in medicine and becomes a uh, bioweapon. Yeah. Um, this thing called the T-Virus, which they don't explain what they were making it for, I believe, in this movie. They do in the last movie. Okay. Literally every question you could have is answered in the last movie, and better than any answer they gave you earlier. Which is okay. why I can't wait to talk about that one. It's so good. <laughs> So the the T virus is this extremely potent airborne zombie virus. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, it's a generic zombie virus. So you have T virus blue, which is the bad. It's the bad T virus. Okay. I would say the capital T virus, and the green T virus, the lowercase T virus, is the antidote. And Umbrella has both of them sequestered in their underground secret military base called the Hive, which fucking rules. Which is rules. a cool name. Like, I, like, I have a big note at the end about, like, just a, a wrap-up of the movie, and, like, truly the, one of the coolest things about Resident Evil as a franchise mm-hmm. is their settings. They're yeah. all very, like, it's like you mix the settings from Alien, like, polish them up so it was almost like AI or, like, iRobot, and you mm-hmm. just put zombies in them. Like, it's super a cool vibe. It yeah. feels like a video game, and I oh, really absolutely. like that. So, the hive itself is this massive installation underneath Raccoon City, which is just, like, fucking Columbus, Ohio. Like, it pretty much, it's just some yeah, it's just big some city. town, USA. Yeah, it's just, like, some moderate-sized city. Like, it could be, like, Des Moines. Like, it's just yeah. any city that's not, like, big, but, like, they don't... They, it's okay that they have a massive military installation there. Um, you know, the movie starts out with the T-Virus being released, uh, it's, it kind of gets really quick for a hot second, like, office quarantine, mm-hmm. it's like all of the various office workers and lab assistants and lawyers and stuff are stuck under there as the T-Virus spreads, and, like, it's almost like it could have gone, like, Belko, like, Belko yeah. experiment, if Belko had evil-ass AI and was underground and had zombies. 
Yeah. And was over in two minutes because they all turned into zombies. Yeah. No stapler kill, though. Nope. I mean, they, they, they literally all succumbed to the zombie virus in, like, four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, like... Umbrella truly was like, well, um, we'll just lock it down, and um, no one will ever know. Yeah. No one will ever go down there, mm-hmm. and the T-virus will just continue to germinate in the air, and there'll just be, like, thousands of zombies down there. Just just, for a while. just stay away from it. Yeah. yeah like, you don't, it's not bothering anybody. Yeah, it's bothering it? a lot of people, because the problem isn't just that the T-virus got released, but that um, the online AI security system, like supercomputer they have that runs the entire hive, the security systems, technology, everything, mm-hmm. which it's called the Red Queen, which is yeah. also super metal. Um, and fortunately slash unfortunately for like, you know, protagonists, but fortunately for like a horror movie, it takes the physical like holographic form of a little British girl. Yeah. So when it tells you you're going to die... It's horrifying. It's really ominous. It's like just, you won't survive down here. You're all going to die down here That's is what she it. says. And like with the kind of creepy off-putting confidence that a little British child would have. Just mm-hmm. you're all going to die down here and I'm like fuck you. <laughs> um it's it's a cool concept and the Red Queen again shows up in the final chapter and like the effects are a little bit better mm-hmm. and she does more. Okay. So, um, and it'll be cool because the girl that plays the Red Queen in that movie is going to be in Black Widow. She's going to be really? young Natasha Romanoff, which is fun because yes. Red. Anyway, <laughs> so I mentioned before, like, you know, this is like the third or fourth badass thing that we've mentioned about it. Mm-hmm. And the other badass thing I want to mention is the soundtrack, uh, which sounds like music you bust ass playing laser tag to. Oh, that like that was the per- you yep. wrote it during the movie and that was the perfect description. Yeah. As the credits rolled, I was just like, I Fuck feel yeah. like I should be doing something. And you were like, laser tag. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It was the beginning of the movie too, and I'm like, I forgot. Like I would write to the soundtrack of this franchise all the time because it's just like cool backtrack music. Like it's not very complicated. It just pumps you up and it motivates you. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, it, there's a scene specifically. Uh, I'm gonna get to a bit with the laser corridor. That it's just, like, it's just so fucking awesome. Like, yeah. it's just, like, a bunch of, like, techno and industrial metal just playing while people are, like, jumping over fucking lasers and shit. It's awesome. Um, it's also cool, like, behind it's, like, the, you know, actual soundtrack. And there's also, like, a music inspired by the motion picture or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Or that they just took out the lyrics to and then played. Yeah. So, um, the actual soundtrack was assembled by Marco Beltrami, who's done fuck loads of stuff. I mean, people that are composers, they're prolific. They oh, do absolutely. hundreds of movies. Specifically, we would know, he did the music for iRobot, he did Blade, World War Z. He also did, as we've covered on the podcast, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and Underwater, and he's going to be doing the music for Quiet Place 2. Really? Yeah, so he and I'm I, there's probably dozens of other really cool choices oh, that I just yeah. didn't even look at. Mm-hmm. Um but it's assembled by Marco Beltrami and Marilyn Manson. That's right. Like it wasn't like they played Marilyn Manson songs like he helped compose the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's very much it's very Marilyn Mansony and it's it's so cool, man. I love it so much. And then bands that are featured in the movie um, I mean, this stuff is very early 2000s, new metal and, like, grunge metal. You got Slipknot, Nine Inch Nails, Fear Factory, Depeche Mode, 
Ramstein and El Nino. El Nino. Which is Spanish for the Nino. Have you never... Never mind. It's a Chris Farley bit. <laughs> he would come on and El... Doesn't matter. Um, so, I mean, if that soundtrack sounds awesome, if you, like, also, like, fist pumped the air when I said those bands, um, just wait till we get to The Crow. That soundtrack for The Crow is, is, to this day, legendary. Mm -hmm. Legendary. Absolutely. Um, So, with music out of the way, I mean, we'll we'll go out on some. I want to do it. We're going to go out from a song on the soundtrack of this movie because it just fits the vibe and it gets you, it lets you know what you're in for. I definitely would love if we could find a section of like the opening. And I mean, if you are into kind of like weirder stuff where you're like, it's uh, just cool music to have on in the background, um, just YouTube, like, or even, it's definitely on Spotify, like Resident Evil soundtrack mm-hmm. and like any of the movies, especially the first and last one, they'll do. They're all, it's so cool. Um, so I want to talk a little, for a second, the laser corridor and, and other specific set pieces, but like... Okay. The movie's kind of like, it's, it's okay, so it's a zombie movie, obviously, but again, zombies are like this secondary thing, mm-hmm. because they're walking into this big installation that's a death trap. Yeah, because it's all heavily yeah. guarded by this by the um, Red Queen. It's guarded, there's security protocols that are like a corridor that is, they have shut off both doors, there's no windows, and um lasers just come like they pass over almost like ddr where it's like jump over it or like this one's high so you can duck this one's going low so you jump over it ddr or like those equivalent games i'm sure there's a game just like this out there that's just not lasers it's just like jump over these things and if you hit it you lose yeah it, yeah like in an arcade like at some dave and busters probably i feel like i've definitely seen something <laughs> like that um except in this case if you hit the lasers it cuts it, right through you yeah and the laser corridor is a cheeky bastard because it's like, oh, I'm going high, I'm going high. Psych. Or by the end, just you yeah. want to go, you want to stand anywhere. It's just one line, and it just turns into like a big net. <laughs> yeah, like they're one inch cubes, and it's just like fit through it. Good luck. Yeah, you're fucked. So <laughs> it doesn't go well. But you have so you have obviously so you, security protocols, you know, power outages, the zombies, and also it's. A military base. So there's all types of, like, genetic experiments and, like, bioweapons that are just, like, waiting to be activated down there mm-hmm. that the Red Queen can do at any time. Particularly, uh, I haven't played the game, but there's a thing called a Licker, which is just a large humanoid figure that's got a big old tongue. Almost like Venom. tongue. Like a brain for a head. Like, it doesn't have, like, a skull. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it, it it's like a big dog almost. Not to mention... There are zombie dogs also. Right. (laughs) Like, they're just straight up. And this one's great because it's not CGI. But it's just... They're dogs that they, like, painted and put, like, crap on. Mm -hmm. And they're just, like, now go! And they just run down the hallway. through the hallways. And, I mean, there's a... I don't want to talk a lot about Alice in this movie. We'll get into her more as we go on. But, you know, she's one of those genetic experiments. Mm -hmm. She's a fixture by umbrella corporation to be a you know like a, like a security protocol of herself to like yeah. guard the hive um and she has decided through flashbacks as she's remembering what's going on that she was trying to take them down she had mm-hmm. a source on the outside 
and when sensing this danger, sensing exposure, Umbrella knowingly released the T-Virus to cover their tracks. Mm -hmm. So in this case, um, Alice is realizing she's got, like, you know, heightened agility, superhuman strength, you know. Just all the... Weird, yeah. All the makings for a badass main character. It's kind of cool, because, like, Ripley doesn't have any of that shit, and both Alice and Celine from Underworld have that, and all the rest of them are going to cover Upgrade, The Crow, Darkman, all of them have powers. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Ripley's the only one that doesn't have powers. So it's just vague action horror protagonist powers where, like, she's, you know, she can't be killed. Like, yeah. that's just, blood armor is her, is her power. Yeah. So, like, much. just that scene of her fighting the dogs. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. It's so silly. And, I mean, it's, this movie came out, like, 18 years ago. So, like, clearly mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's of its time. Yeah. And it still kind of holds up in certain ways. Like I said, yeah. it's a great vibe. Um, and, like, my big wrap-up was that, you know, it's an all-around pretty good mindless zombie movie. Um, it's fun with a really good soundtrack, like I mm-hmm. said. You know, the action's pretty fun, and, like, as we go on in the franchise, as the effects get better, as they get a bigger budget, they, that, those also get better. Yeah. You know, there's references to the game here and there that's, like, not enough to alienate non-fans, but, like, enough is to serve as, like, if you're going in this with an open mind, you can go, like, yeah, okay, like, I know... I know what that is. I know what Umbrella Core is. Like, as long as you're like, you know, it's it's making something semi new while kind of mm-hmm. going off of it. Yeah. Uh, and the environment's awesome. Yeah. And the sequels are, you know, even better. Like as they go on, they get better and better and culminate in a really awesome movie. <laughs> I, was like, I love that as we're recording this in the studio, we just have the poster to our yeah. right for the final well, chapter. I hung that one up specifically because I'm like, we're going to cover this pretty soon. But I, like I said, like when I first, when I, you know, when it first came out in the theaters, I was working at a theater and you know, the poster outside wasn't this one. It was, it was that other was one I showed you, that really cool looking one. You know, this is just a teaser one that we did have in the, uh, uh, like in our hallway, like going to our mm. break room. So like this one actually did hang in my theater, yeah. which is pretty cool. It's authentic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was like every like day I'd walk past it and I'm like, you know, I don't know anything about Resident Evil. I've just heard about it. And I remember seeing the posters for movies as I grew up going to movies. And, you know, I saw that uh, Ian Glenn, who we're going to get into next next episode, he's from Game of Thrones. He plays the antagonist of the, one of the antagonists of the franchise. Okay. And I saw that he was in it. I was really into Game of Thrones. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll go see it. You know, I'll throw the shot. Not expecting anything. And I was blown away enough that I not only got the movies, but also wanted the posters. I'm like, this movie kicks a bunch of ass. <laughs> so I'm excited, especially to re... Because I've only watched through the whole franchise once. Okay. When I, the first time I watched through. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be cool, especially um, rewatching them, and then that'll build my excitement because I want to watch that next, one, that last one so bad. So it's gonna build my excitement till we get to that one, and I can just be like, this one. Even if you don't want to watch the franchise itself, like watch this one. It's extremely good, <laughs> and I would say to a lesser extent, watch the first one because the first one, you know, like I said, it's it's only real problem is that it was made eighteen years ago. Yeah. Um. And if you can get over that, like, if you can watch a lot of classic horror movies, just, I mean, I, even Alien, mm-hmm. you know, it's some, sometimes it is a, very much a product of its time. And like, if you can get over that and appreciate it, then then you're already there. Then yeah. you win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, is it time? I think it's time. Well, 
as you know, we are going to be uh, continuing with the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, we have a bonus episode coming up this week. Um, this year's new Wrong Turn oh, movie yeah. that and we it, just got back from seeing. I mean, I really hope you keep in the intro about us talking about it, because, man, it's, oh, yeah. it's a ride. Go see it. it I mean... I don't know. I don't know if I would market an amateur to go see it, but like, if you like horror movies, go see it. It's really cool. We'll we'll spend some nice time talking about it. Oh yes. Oh yes. This doesn't mean we're gonna cover Wrong Turn as a franchise. That'll that'll be a while, if at all. Um, Okay. So follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can send requests at our email squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, you know, you can send anything. You can send, yeah. you know, money. <laughs> uh, or just to talk. I mean, that's really what's cool. Um, especially because, I mean, I was telling you the other day that I uh, had a conversation with a workmate and friend of mine about Underworld. And I was like, hey, we're going to be doing Underworld pretty soon. And we started getting into it. And I was like, I'm going to be excited to talk about Underworld. So, like, it's cool for me, at least, to interact with people that is like exactly the target audience we're looking for. They mm-hmm. have seen some stuff but you know they're they're open to things. Yeah. So like be open to these experiences. Like especially with Willy's Wonderland last week and like mm-hmm. it was like if you were open to the experience of having a fun time, yeah, it's horror but like you're going to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And Absolutely. I feel like especially with, you know, more horror peripheral genres like what we're covering with action horror, there's more to appreciate that's not just jump know, scares. Yeah. And I mean at least for the time being, you know, when, you know, gore is this thing that a lot of horror fans tend to shy away from. Like, mm-hmm. if you were to be like, yeah, I'd go, I would see Halloween, but, like, I'm not going to watch Saw. It's yeah. like, I see the difference there. And I'm, I'm definitely going to change your mind when we get to Saw about it. <laughs> but at least what I mean now is it's a, there's other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that. And that's what we're doing. That's what the show is about. It's finding the other stuff that you can appreciate that may... Not that you may have steered you away otherwise. In the past, yeah. Absolutely. Alright, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>